0: Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and
1: our must-read daily newsletter. Highways Voices time again when we speak to the key influences in the highways and transport technology industries and this week we're looking to the future. What we're doing is supporting projects
2: and the trialling associated with those to try and get the projects to a more mature state and close to market and they're doing that by engaging with the commercial 5g so what we can all access out in our local region
0: for many of the urban use cases like parking like asset management finding potholes that kind of stuff and for safety the idea of messages that come out more quickly i'm really excited about it i think it also will enable a whole host of services in the vehicle
1: 5g connectivity and what it means for transport on the podcast this week you may even be streaming this very program using 5g We're keeping you right up to speed. It's Highways Voices. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. So we talked to Chris Holmes from West Midlands 5G and connected vehicle expert Andy Graham this week. But before all that, let's, by the power of Zoom, join Adrian Tatum in the Dorset branch of Highways News HQ. And Adrian, despite a long weekend, we've still had a bumper load of stories on the site this week.
3: Yeah, big news this week. Uh, New funding agreement again for T. TFL, good news coming from London of an agreement that's been reached with government yesterday, which extends its financial support to Transport for London until the middle of December. Both government and TFL still searching for the perfect kind of funding model moving forward in the medium to long term. But for the time being, TFL will continue its business, which is good news for everyone. Also, this week, Birmingham has launched its Clean Air Zone, which requires driver of old cars, vans, and trucks to pay a daily fee to enter the city, following models in Bristol and other parts of the country. The council confirmed that it will introduce this through a soft launch and will not require drivers to pay a daily fee or not purpose enforcement until the 14th of June. So they will have a couple of weeks to get used to it in the city, which is a a really good idea. Also on the site this week, infrastructure-led recovery is is growing substantially, but growing costs of pressures are affecting contractors. That's according to the latest Seeker Workload Trend Survey, which spells good news for the industry. And Greater Manchester has committed to creating 50 school streets this week. So a real nod again to clean air zones and air quality improvement across the country at the moment. Big news at the moment has been for about a year now. Greater Manchester, the funding for 50 of them, which is which is quite significant compared to other areas. And they plan to roll out more if they work as well.
1: You mentioned the funding there, Adrian, for Transport for London. A couple of other stories coming out of London that have caught my eye this week. The introduction of electric bikes into the Santander bike hire scheme, that's been announced and is now in the pipeline. And to encourage pedestrians, there are traffic signals across London that will now be set automatically to have the crossing on green and the traffic lights red and the traffic lights will only turn green when there's enough uh, traffic to justify it. So um, mixed reaction in the press about it. There was one article I read that said is bound to cause fury amongst uh, motorists that's one for us to keep an eye on and wait and see, because obviously there's been controversy with uh, the boroughs in London when it comes to low traffic neighbourhoods. We'll see what these traffic signals do to people's blood pressure in the uh, weeks and months to come. Remember, you can get All the updates sent to you every lunchtime in our unique Highways News midday briefing. If you've not signed up, it's really easy to do so on the Highways News website. And you can also subscribe free to this here very podcast from the site too. We're on all the major podcast platforms.
0: Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum.
1: So we've heard a lot about 5G in the news over the past few years but what do faster speeds and reduced latency mean for transport? West Midlands 5G has been established to accelerate the benefits of 5G throughout the region and manages a number of projects to test, prove and scale up 5G projects and services for people, public services and businesses. Chris Holmes is Programme Director and is our first of two Highways Voices this week And I asked him, first of all, to explain the background to 5G when it comes to transport.
2: 5G is an improvement over current mobile technology because of of a number of aspects. So it's quicker. The capacity to handle a lot of data is significantly improved. The assurance of the service, its ability to connect all the time is improved as well. And then importantly, from a transport point of view, the security and the location accuracy associated with it are also improved. So, so there's a number of facets of 5G which then lend themselves to transport and the future that
1: we're in. And the West Midlands has pretty much, from what I understand, the best 5G coverage of anywhere in the country at the moment so how are you using that in the projects that you're working on? So the
2: 5G coverage is getting better every day so it's not fully extensive across the whole region but there is quite a lot of coverage now across all of the seven local authorities in the West Midlands. So what we're doing is supporting projects and the trialing associated with those to try and get the projects to a more mature state and close to market. And they're doing that by engaging with the commercial 5G, so what we can all access out in a local region. And they're also working typically with the mobile comms operators as well. So that then will give them the opportunity of seeing, you know, the performance of not only the products and service, but also how the mobile communications technology is working. So by working with the telecoms guys, it gives them a lot of insight, if you like, into some of the key aspects
1: of the 5G service. So give me some examples of the projects that you're currently overseeing within the project. There's a number of projects and
2: benefits associated. So we're running one project, which is helping partially sighted people, of which there's nearly 2 million people in the UK. That's through your mobile device. We're running technologies which are helping to detect the number of passengers on board a vehicle. So it's sort of crowding information, very relevant today, I would say so helping people to make a decision whether to get on and or wait for a a vehicle which is about to arrive. We've got projects also helping to guide people around platforms. So that could be because they're quite intimidating places sometimes. Some of the the bigger stations can be, as I say, intimidating. So helping to guide people around the, the station, providing the right information in terms of vehicles, where to go. We've got projects running on road infrastructure, monitoring how many vehicles are on the road. So, congestion is a major, major issue. Just in the West Midlands, there was a report 18 months or so ago which said that the downtime associated with congestion was worth around 400 million a year. That's a significant amount of time and uh, economic impact of congestion. So, can we do something better if we know? How many vehicles are on the road? Can we manage that traffic around the road network better? Can we monitor and manage the uh, the roads and the assets associated? So potholes are a growing issue. The maintenance of those and making sure that they are repaired at the point at which the need is there rather than them being missed is obviously safety improvements and implications. We've got parking-related services, which are helping, again, to minimise congestion and hopefully minimise the the associated frustration with not being able to find parking spaces as well. Looking at uh, driver behaviour as well on on roads to help the designs of the the roads and junctions of the future. Then on on rail, we've got a number of projects as well, which are looking at uh, monitoring overhead lines, looking at monitoring the, the rail tracks themselves to again avoid delays and and costs if there are issues that manifest themselves which haven't been spotted. Uh, And then we've got new services as well, such as there's a, a light rail service that we're supporting, which is a new tram. A lot of the UK cities are uh, interested in in that because it would offer an ability to support passengers better in an urban environment.
1: Now, how much of this, Chris, is new kit that you've had to actually install on the roadside and within the infrastructure of the tram network for example or maybe you know new bits of kit you've had to put on buses and how much is using existing products maybe monitoring the movement of personal phones for example?
2: I guess from a 5G point of view the routers or the modems that's a new technology the other thing to bear in mind is sensing technology is moving at a very fast rate as well so You've not just got the comms, which has got better. You've also got sensing technology, which is also getting better. So whether it's uh, cameras, radars, even sort of emission measuring kit, which is being used in the cities now, is just so much better. And some of the rest of the technology is applying technology in a different way. So, for example, the rail technology, it's using relatively straightforward known sensing technology, but it's what you then do with the data and it's the analysis and intelligence of the data behind that, which is then providing the insights in that case. And that's quite a common theme, actually. It's the comms, it's the sensing tech, but it's the intelligence behind it and what you then do with the information, how you display that. Can you automate that information into then a service? Because what I guess the risk is that you get just a lot of data being thrown at you and you've then got to interpret it so the service side really is trying to automate that as much as possible.
1: And I know you kind of touched on the public side of this but explain to me in a bit more detail how the actual network will be integrated and how you're planning the integration of the network. So from the public's point of view How does it help them? How will it make their journeys more convenient, more efficient, safer or greener or whatever the advantages that the 5G introduction will bring?
2: Yeah, so that integration question is a good question because I guess that that is, it's about availability of data. So that's one significant and really important aspect to bear in mind. So how can you access the data? So there is an initiative that Transport for West Midlands, who we're working with, have set up a platform recently, which allows consumption of all of that data. So data to be deposited into a central place for then various organisations and then products to access that. So that could be, as an example, it could be various information around bus, rail services to then provide the information back to the traveller, because it can be quite frustrating if you don't know what the best alternative is for your onward journey. So that's an example of access to data.
1: Obviously, this is all very nice for people in other parts of the country to listen to, to go, oh, look, the West Midlands have got all this fantastic new technology being tried out and offering a real difference. How can they benefit from the trials that you're running what's the long-term value going to be and is there anything in the shorter term that they can either learn from or get involved
2: we're very keen on sharing the work that's been done so far we have various seminars planned actually for this year where we'll be sharing the outcome and results of what's been done providing access directly to the organisations that are developing these new products and services. So please contact us. We can do that via our website. And I guess the engagement then could be around, you know, knowing what's going on, but but then developing those new products and services. We have another way of organisations engaging with WM5G, actually through the accelerator as well. So there's three technology accelerators being set up Across the West Midlands. We've got one in Coventry, a main hub in Birmingham and another one in Wolverhampton. And they give you the ability to try new ideas, new proof of concepts in a safe environment, if you like. So the next generation of 5G technology will be available there, but you also have business support within those centres. So talk to us directly about the projects that we're running, talk to us if you want to try new ideas out in that kind of early concept phase through the accelerators. So there's two main mechanisms for engagement.
1: That's really encouraging that you're actually welcoming the whole of the transport sector if they've got an idea to come to you to work with you on testing it out. Is there any limit? Because sometimes when you dig into the small print, you find out that you've got to be a certain size company or you've got to be on a framework or this. There are some barriers to SMEs or even just, you know, loan people with great ideas to get anywhere. Is this genuinely open to anybody that has a great idea and can demonstrate that it may work that they can get involved? Uh, Yes,
2: so the accelerator is free and that has uh, three different engagement models. So it's the kind of simplest of those is is just education. So to tell people about 5G and and what it can do for you, Uh, talk about sort of technology options through to then uh, The much more involved support is for several weeks or months worth of development, which may involve, you know, trialing within those centers It is free of charge and will be for, well, certainly until March 22, and it is entirely inclusive, so there are no barriers to entry. It's supported by some very knowledgeable people, I would say. In terms of the trials and test beds that we're running on the sort of wider scale, Our investment for new projects at the moment is closed, but the support around transfer of knowledge, sharing and introduction to the organisations and projects which are running is, again, absolutely
1: free. So please just contact us. Chris Holmes, Programme Director, Transport for West Midlands 5G. I'll put all the contact details that people need onto the blurb that goes with this podcast. But uh, thanks for enlightening us on uh, how 5G can be such a game changer. Thanks for being our Highways Voice this week. Highways Voices,
0: the podcast from highwaysnews.com. highwaysnews.com.
1: Andy Graham, the leading consultant and expert on connectivity, joins us in a moment on Highways Voices. But without further ado, it's our time to tip our hat to an organisation or a person who's doing particularly good things because it's time for
0: Adrian's Accolade.
1: And Adrian Tatum, where's your accolade going this week?
3: So my accolade this week goes to Tarmac, the road maintenance providers, has opened a new occupational health and well-being facilities at its industry leading national skills and safety park, which, which has been opened a year, opened in fact by Prince William last February. And the idea of this facility in particular is to really look after the health and wellbeing of Tarmac colleagues and partners within their business. And it's everything from safety, interactive safety procedures, and most importantly, things that to help the staff with their mental health and well-being and, and that's really important and increasing part increasingly important part of this the highway sector. We put our operatives to work every day next to live traffic, every day next to several dangers. And this is definitely worth uh, awarding a lack accolade to because time I think have gone one step further with this. Um a suite which is already kind of part of their 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 wider business. But um really important subjects um a really important human resources things to do as well at the moment
1: completely agree with you adrian it's a great recipient so well done to tarmac for winning this
0: week's Adrian's Accolade here on Highways Voices. Don't forget to subscribe to Highways Voices to keep up to date with the latest edition. We're on your favourite podcast platform.
1: So a bit earlier you heard Chris Holmes on Highways Voices from Westmillan's 5G. So let's now talk to somebody who's at the sharp end of actually adding connectivity to transport. It's leading consultant Andy Graham, who is the founder of White Willow Consulting and is the chair of the ITS UK Connected Vehicle Forum, among other things. Andy, thanks for joining us and just adding a bit more of a view to what we've already heard Chris say. I know you were listening very attentively to all the things he said, but my question is i live in a small village where we only got 4g about three years ago so we must be way down the list for 5g how can you plan a transport solution if you haven't got universal coverage of the particular communications method
0: that's a really good question paul and i think the answer is that you need to have not one size fits all So in a city where you're looking for parking, and I've been working with Chris and his team on one of the parking projects he mentioned, 5G is good because it gets you more images, gets you faster bandwidth, more capacity in cities where you need more rapid uptake. 5G is good in terms of collecting volumes of data. But the business case for 5G is not transport. Let's not kid ourselves. It's watching 4K Netflix on your phone as you drive around, which is going to be in cities. What I'd like to think, though, is that we don't think that 5G is the universal solution because I live near the M25, and on a Friday afternoon, it's really difficult for me to get any form of signal because everyone's talking about the barbecue and the fact there's no Caligas left in the country on their mobile phones. So I'd like us to take a sort of balanced agenda. We say, by all means, that we must focus on these high bandwidth applications, but we also need 4G, we need 3G, and we probably still need 2G as well. There's some really interesting work by the ROC Foundation on... Steve Gooding has looked at the coverage of the road network and every year it gets slowly better and better but there are still huge areas where you don't really get a a phone signal for calling. Now there are ways around that with things like roaming sims that Equal has and things like that but ultimately if you can't make a phone call then selling someone 5G would be a bit of an ask in in a rural area.
1: You mentioned 2G there but of course the plan is to actually switch off the 2G network so are there any comms that transport relies on that uh, legacy systems that still need 2G?
0: Oh absolutely there's a whole host of traffic counters and roadside devices that you still use it, um, sim cards from some uh, time ago that might be difficult to move up to 3G or 4G. Also the vehicles have been installed with sim cards for e on slightly different and again that's an issue if it's turned off but haven't we been here before Mr Hutton when we spoke about the idea of turning off FM radio perhaps 15 years ago when digital was going to uh, rule the world and that's not really happened is it and the reason is there's so much legacy kit still lying around that isn't going to be turned off anytime soon and I'd like to think that wiser minds may prevail now of course it's not just transport again. If you think about how many burglar alarms there are with a 2G SIM card in, how many water meters, how many remote monitoring devices that have all got an embedded comms network in. So it's not just transport again, but it is an issue and it's something we need to raise up, which is there might be an implication for local authorities in that if 2G gets turned off. Um, Started happening in places like Germany, so BMW, for example, are, are no longer saying they'll support legacy uh, applications in vehicles. But it's something we need to be aware of.
1: Yeah, you reminded me. I've forgotten I used to be on a committee from the uh, Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders about the switch off of FM, which is a little bit like driverless cars. Always going to happen in the next few years, but we never quite get to the next few years. But therefore, Andy there are alarm bells that are ringing for me should we be throwing all our eggs into the 5g basket then shouldn't we actually as a transport industry have our own network of beacons for example that we put up we control and we're not beholden to mobile phone companies that of course have very different requirements to the ones that we have
0: that's a really interesting question and for years we've been looking at ITSG 5 and DSRC beacons. All the places they've been installed are typically on motorways. They're in test sites. I haven't seen any cities that found a real strong business case for rolling them out. And the reason for that is that As traffic engineers, we don't like having bits of kit at the side of the road that we have to have power and comms and paint grey and do annual surveys for. We'd much rather have it as a service. And in addition, the the idea of a a dedicated beacon is quite useful for very high latency comms where you need to get some messages in quickly. But I've been working for 10 years now on cellular projects, and we did Glossa in Pretty sure it was 10 years ago using 3G. Many of the services that I've been trying in my Model T card that you've seen, my phone only works on 3G for. So, yes, we should be de- definitely pushing with 5G. We should be making maximizing the, the benefits of it. We should be really taking the advantage of high bandwidth and low latency. But we do need to make sure that we don't leave behind other use cases and other customers you
1: mentioned creating the world's or we think the world's oldest connected car when you fitted a mobile phone inside a model t ford and we ran that story on highways news a few weeks ago you're kind of my go-to champion for anything connectivity wise because you're always so many steps ahead of everything anyone else on what we can do with the technology so how excited are you about the prospects of 5g and how transformational do you think it could be
0: for many of the urban use cases like parking like asset management finding potholes that kind of stuff and for safety the idea of messages that come out more quickly i'm really excited about it i think it also will enable a whole host of services in the vehicle be it new one or old one, that we can piggyback on. You ain't going to buy a vehicle because it's got a 5G telematics fit. You're going to buy 5G telematics fit because you can watch Netflix in the back or your kids can. But if we can piggyback services on that that are better and faster. But equally, I just like people to realise it's just not the universal solution to everything. 5G masks broadcast less range than 3G and 4G, so you need more of them. It means that you have to install more equipment. There's all sorts of difficulties in putting new masks in, all that kind of stuff. So it will take a little bit of time. And also I feel that sometimes we let the technology override the customer experience. You might have really fast comms, but if the presentation and the user interface and the way that people deal with the service isn't very good, then the fastest comms in the world won't make any difference. We've got to get that balanced scorecard sorted out.
1: Andy Graham, thank you very much for joining us on Highways Voices. One thing you did mention uh, during our chat there was eCall. We haven't got time to really dig into that now. But will you come back on Highways Voices in the future and give us a bit more of your thoughts on the uh, potential of uh, of call as far as uh, now it's, ubiquitous in new cars, um, what we can do with it?
0: Yeah, I'd be delighted to. There's some interesting stuff happening about e-call. We're getting more and more of them every every week, every month. More and more vehicles are fitted. Uh, still a bit of a lack of awareness about what it does and what it can't do. But overwhelmingly, we really want to be diving into the data because if we can't get that to work as the first connected vehicle uh, system, then things like having fantastic 5G bandwidth, got to raise question mark. Okay, Andy, we'll talk again soon. That's it for
1: this week's Highways Voices. Thanks to Chris Combs. Thanks to uh, Adrian Tatum for his summary of the week's news and also this week's accolade. And we'll join you again next Wednesday for another Highways Voices. Highways
0: Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry.